Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news in the, from the video games industry from the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Beja, and today I am joined once again by the amazing, the wonderful Ed Mitchell. How's it going? Hey, Patrick, doing good. Thanks for that uh, very magnanimous introduction. <laughs> I think it I might hope be I can your... live up to all the words. The, the, yeah, the, the amazing uh, Ed Mitchell might be your superhero name. <laughs> That would work. Um, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, the Game Awards happened in, on Friday, I think. Well, Friday, Europe time. Uh, Thursday, US time. And uh, then there was the PlayStation Experience. And there was, I mean, it wasn't the hugest announcements, but there were a couple of things worth mentioning. That Then we have a number of uh, pieces of news to cover. We have some Destiny 2 opinions that I want to get out. Uh, I played a little bit of Nier Automata that I want to talk about, a bunch of other things. Uh, Tomb, Tomb Raider news, uh, Devil May Cry, Star Wars, uh, Battlefront 2 news, but almost no loot box this time. Yay! Are we happy? <laughs> yes. I'm getting this really is a tired. Good change from. Yeah. Getting really tired of talking about loot boxes, I have to be honest, but. Um, <laughs> Especially, you know, I do like the the English show, the French show, and a couple of other gaming-related shows where I talk about loot, loot boxes all the time. Almost none, so let's not spoil it, and let's talk about the Game Awards. Um, did you watch, I was going to say, did you suffer through the entirety <laughs> of the three hours? That might be a little bit harsh. Did you watch all of it? I did. I watched most of it. Um, <laughs> I, That's I very was... honest of you. I was like half half watching, half watching uh, a football game that night, so I didn't really get that. wasn't really like watching it completely. Yeah. Um, but the I, I will say that in general, the Game Awards is much better than than any of the um, the Spike version of the Game Awards that happened. Um, I think it must have been like four Until or five years ago. Until two thousand fourteen, yeah, I think when okay. the when those yeah, stopped. So- Years um, ago. Yeah. So, but Je- Je- I appreciate the fact that Jeff Keighley still wants, still wants, and tries to do them every year, um, and he's willing to go through the more, maybe more embarrassing, like product placement stuff um, in exchange, <laughs> for, in exchange for the game games having their own award show, um, other than the BAFTA awards, which are are nice, but no, no like U.S. based. Um, award show for games other than this one yeah i mean he clearly jeff Keeley wanted to do the oscars for games which yeah right 
I think he's getting closer and closer to. Uh, today, I mean, I was watching, and the way I did it, I didn't have a football game in the background. I had my uh, remote, uh, my my Siri remote from my Apple TV because I was watching it on YouTube the, the next day because it was the middle of the night when it went live for me. But um, And I, well, I was skipping. You couldn't stay up for it? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't love it that much. E3, <laughs> I say up for, but this, no. Uh, and so I had the, the skip 10 seconds uh, remote handy, and oh, I would skip yeah. here and there. there. You go. Um, but I watched, I would say, a good two, two and a half hours out, out of those three hours. And mm-hmm. um, it was, I mean, it it's really getting close to what an Oscars ceremony is. And I understand there are issues, and yes, there are some cringy sponsor moments and there's ads but you know like he has to pay for this entire he the company has to pay for this entire thing uh mm-hmm. without the support of a tv station that's going to pay for the rights like it, i think he's achieved something quite incredible um managing to put this whole thing together that doesn't look ridiculous you know it looks right. pretty exactly. decent right yeah i agree absolutely it was a giant uh, theater. I don't know which one it was, but uh, it was it was really full. There were a lot of industry luminaries. It was like it 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 it's gotten noticeably better every year. So I think within like two three years, it might be uh, you know comparable to something like the Oscars for our yeah. industry. But still, I I see the I understand we don't necessarily need you know one cer- uh, you know award ceremony to rule them all. But I think it's nice to have. It's, it doesn't mean that it's the only one that matters. Obviously, everyone has their own. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I thought it was, it was, it, I understand why some people don't like what Keeley is doing, but I think there's value to it and it's, uh, it's an interesting thing and I enjoy it. So that's my thing, my, my assessment. Yeah. Um, what did you, so aside from that, uh, obviously the game of the year was taken home by, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, which... Well-deserved. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like absolutely three or four out of the nominees would have been, like, <laughs> they would have gotten no complaints from anyone yeah, if they had it, won, including this one. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, Mario, going up against Mario Horizon Zero Dawn and Persona 5, like, the, those are... I, I've played three out of the four of those. I haven't played Persona 5, and I put all three of those in my top five for right. the year. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, I, I, was, so... I just want to mention one one award very quickly. The the two awards that went to Hellblade, uh, the one for Best Performance, and uh, actually three because I got Best Audio Design and Games for Impact. Um, that game is really, really good. I... Um, if you Go ahead, go ahead. If you haven't had a chance to play it, um, the 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 things that really jump out at you is they used they use a special microphone and you can see the performers do it and, and there's a little like uh, short like maybe thirty forty minute video that um that they included in the game and you can see how they how the performers did the voices that are supposed to be in her head and basically it's a three dimensional microphone. And they had this huge space, and they just had people running and moving around the right microphone and whispering things as they run by the microphone. It's um, it's pretty amazing the way it's yeah. uh, constructed. 
audio wise i picked mm-hmm. it up uh we're going to talk about what we picked up during the sales maybe a little bit later but um i picked it up during the the black friday sales and i'm only a couple of hours in but that aspect of it is amazing it's yeah pretty yeah, it's creepy fantastic. too yeah. like mm-hmm. it, and so to kind of go along with that is uh melina jurgen's um performance as cinema because they they fully mapped her face and did a lot of performance capture um, what's incredible is she was a video editor. She isn't an actor. You know, like when she came up on stage, I didn't realize. And she had yeah. been very present in the videos and like the communications. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's, you know, she's so good in the game. I was convinced she was a professional actress yeah. and that she didn't. I, my image of her was like, oh, you know, she's she's a professional actress. She she got, she was really good, but she did, wasn't getting any work in Hollywood. And she mm-hmm. took a gamble on that game. And, and it turns out it's getting pretty, very good reviews and she's getting yeah. some recognition out of it. So she's like riding that wave, but she doesn't know anything about video games. And yeah. it's like, she gets up on stage and she gets all emotional and she's like, oh, you know, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually Ninja Theory's, uh, uh, video editor this is yeah. the first time i've ever done anything like this i'm like what are it's you it's funny because when you when you started that video it says edited by melina jurgens and i was like oh that's interesting the person who did the voice acting and no it's the other way around the person who does the video editing is the voice actress and yeah. the performance capture artist i guess it's called yeah um, but yeah it, what what was amazing to me so, so when, when you first start up and the voices start going you see her eyes dart from yeah. like basically where the voices are coming from in your headset. Yeah. Um, and, and that, just that, I mean, yes, you have a voice actress and a, um, a performance capture artist like in the studio, but you, and you also have a bunch of people like supporting them, her, um, including the director. So good direction and good, um, awareness of where things are in, in the way you're performing is, uh, it, it was an, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I, as I far would, as the game, the, we can talk about that later. But the game itself is is quite good too. Yeah, we can we uh, can talk about the game a little bit later. I'm I'm a little bit less. Uh, uh, I mean, I I'm not sure what I think about it of, uh, of it mm-hmm. yet. I'm only a couple of hours in, but uh, we'll talk about the game itself a little bit later. Uh, other things that were that stood out from those game awards, uh, that game awards ceremony, is of course uh, Joseph Fares's. I want to say performance slash freakout. <laughs> that was so cringy. And um, so for those who didn't see it, basically Joseph Fares is the developer behind uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which was mm-hmm. a critically acclaimed indie title where you would control two different characters on screen, one with each uh, stick on your controller. And his new game, A Way Out, has pushes that concept by giving you two different characters to control, uh, but to two different people uh, uh, playing together co-op. So the game looks really interesting, but Joseph Ferris comes uh, on on stage or on the little interview uh, stage they had with Jeff Keighley and starts like, I don't know if he was drunk or if he was like, but he starts <laughs> swearing and like saying, fuck the Oscars and, and going all off script. Like he was, and he was, you know he was really crazy because he was praising EA like mad and uh, yeah. saying you know they're really but I mean I think that was a nice per- perspective gaining moment he was like yeah everyone messes up and they clearly messed up but they've been super supportive for me and so that was nice but he was 
weird as and and you could see Jeff Keeley who didn't know where to put himself like he was so embarrassed and it kept going on and on and on and I mean <laughs> and he every couldn't, he couldn't get him to stop right yeah like he kept trying to get him to stop and he just wasn't having any of it <laughs> every good awards show has to have a, a <laughs> someone that needs to be played out like a good needs little a, needs a little thing. hook from uh, the cartoons and stuff yeah a little bit um, but yeah so I think that was a, a almost a, a It was okay because it wasn't too bad. It's not like they started... They, he wasn't drunk, really. He wasn't mm -hmm. like... He, he didn't uh, create a big scandal or a big drama. It was just like gamers universe uh, freakout type thing, which was just pretty mild. Um, yeah. So that was, that was almost cute, but at the same time, really cringy. I don't think he's <laughs> getting invited to speak publicly anytime soon, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other, uh, I mean, that's the uh, awards aspect of it. Oh, I did want to mention, um, the student games that they were, uh, uh awarding awards to, mm -hmm. my God, those were amazing. Like they looked like even better than most, uh, indie games that we often see. Maybe not. Right. I mean, they were in that, in that area. I didn't, you know, I think. I don't really, for me, student games are things that people are, are coding in their spare time almost and that they, they don't have the tools to code. So they look like crap. That's my world's, you know, student games because I live in the eighties <laughs> probably. But I guess with the third party tools and, and the uh, dedication and the actual education that they get, th some of those, those games made me want to play them. And that's not, what I'm used to for student games usually. So <laughs> just wanted to mention it. Um, and then there was the cute uh, Bethesda save the single player gamers campaign, yeah. which was, it was cute. I think it was a little bit, a little bit, I don't know, like a little bit too much. It was a little bit pandering, I think, but it was funny. Um, well, I mean, you got, uh, they, it was definitely like a marketing push, right? Of like, course. Yeah. Yeah. But and, I mean, it, it was it was kind of we still do single player experiences and they are important. And it was like, uh, you know, how do you call it? Like second degree? No, I don't know if you can say that in in uh, in English. But it was very self aware and kind of wink wink. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's a little bit. I don't know. I mean, whatever. It was it was cute. Uh, but beyond that, there were a bunch of games. Um, any one in particular that uh, caught your eye? The, a, a bunch of world premiere that were <laughs> premiered? Uh, yeah. If, I mean, Fade to Silence, I mean, there, there wasn't much there, but it was interesting enough that I'm curious about it. Can um, you tell the coming... audience what it is? Or me? Yeah. It, it, think so it it's... It seems to be like kind of a world exploration where there's it in a like kind of an icy environment. Um, they didn't show like much of like actual gameplay. It was mostly just kind of a trailer. Um, but it seems very kind of open worldy, and you're exploring around. You get to be on a, on the back of one of those little things that are being pulled by dogs and stuff. So <laughs> you make. Um, I mean there there's it's post apocalyptic right it's not like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just in alaska yeah. and and chilling with your with your yeah it seems like it seems like the the entire world went to went into an ice age essentially right yeah um because they show that one part of the trailer shows a spaceship that looked that's like a basically about to take off mm. like in position to take off and it's like completely frozen over um so it's very obvious that it's like 
all the way down to maybe like Florida <laughs> is very cold. Right. Um, so that that's cool. Um, Champions Ballad. I was surprised to see like the expansion pass or the trailer for it, and then it said like it's out right now. You can go download it right now. Right. Talking um, about Zelda's expansion. The, pass, yeah, the Zelda um, expansion pass, and then uh, Bayonetta one, two, and three for the Switch is. Uh, I am so glad that Nintendo is going to k- keep porting things from the Wii U to the Switch. Um, <laughs> I got a couple of Wii U games over here that are that are ripe for for Switch play. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I, I I wonder what I'm curious what the price point's going to be for that one and two. I'm hoping it's like twenty, but I'm holding my breath for like forty. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be forty. Um, mm-hmm. but it's it's Bayonetta two, and you get Bayonetta one in it yeah. uh, as well. It's going to be available in February. Um, I think it's going to be forty minimum. Yeah, but, I mean. Um, the- so I, I got the original one, or the one that came out on the Wii U, and I played Bayonetta 1, but I never played Bayonetta 2. So I still have that, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to drop like another $40 to play the one on the Switch or not. So maybe I'll just play the one on, on the Wii U. I don't know. I'll, that'll be a... That'll be a February 16th decision for yeah, me. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, so Bayonetta is still exclusive uh, to the Wii, so mm-hmm. that's... The, mm-hmm. uh, to the Wii, to the to the Switch. Um, so that's a good. Uh, I mean, yeah, things couldn't be going better for the Switch. Sorry, right now. Um, and of course, Bayonetta three is exclusive to the Switch also, and it's in development uh, currently, probably twenty eighteen. We're guessing, but maybe later. So uh, that's yeah, cool. that's me. Yep. Um, and then the Sea of Thieves. The I'm um, good to see an, a good a good solid release date on that. Um, mm. I played that game at PAX with some friends and that's a game that you will play with friends and you will not play with strangers. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. still iffy on it. Um, there was In the Valley of Gods, the new Campo, uh, Campo Santo mm-hmm. game uh, mm-hmm. coming out 2019, so we still have a little bit of time. Campo Santo, of course, uh, the developer behind Firewatch. Really interesting game that ultimately disappointed me, but I still thought was a valuable experience. Uh, In the Valley of Gods is also something that seems pretty narrative, uh, but that is, I mean, uh, anyway, I, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity to talk about it, but Firewatch was forging a relation between you and that faraway person that you were talking to on the talkie-walkie, on the walkie-talkie, rather, in English. Uh, That's how we call them in French. It's talkie-walkie, actually, in French, (laughs) for some weird reason. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And, uh, well, you talk and you walk. It it works. Uh, And and then the Valley of Gods has two people, like, uh, actually going through exploration in the pyramids, I think, or something related, uh, but they're together. So maybe that's the kind of mm-hmm. thing that that's going to be a little bit different, but exploring that same kind of dynamic. Um, Soul Calibur Six is coming out in 2018. Uh, the fighting game fan in me is, is prone to uh, mentioning that news. Uh, but then, of course, oh, there's GTFO as well, a four-player co-op zombie indie game um it, which is which looks interesting we need to mo- know more about that uh it's it I, seems i must have missed the the witch fire did, did you watch that trailer yes but i can't even remember what it is wait which fire it, it's a it's a like a shooter um a first person shooter like exploration but it's from oh, from the yes. guys who made what remains of edith finch and um, Dear no Esther. it's actually uh 
Ethan Carter. Uh, what's Ethan the, Carter, the vanishing yeah. Ethan, you're the right, vanishing you're right, you're right. Ethan Carter. I had it, I had it backwards. Yeah, uh, and the, that, the, that game looks surprisingly good. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm surprised you know what Painkiller is. It feels to me like it's a game that that was already an homage to the 90s that came out in the 2000s. And there's been a mm -hmm. few of them after that, but it's a very old school first person shooter. And that looks like a great combination. I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Painkiller it was really fun back then, but it's almost like it was the doom for when doom was not doom, you know? Right. And, uh, and doom was resurrected. It, it doom, did what painkiller did but better obviously it retook the crown but uh, so that's the kind of gameplay you can expect so um and then of course of course we can't not mention i mean it's not even on purpose that i didn't mention it but um <laughs> the the uh death stranding what was yes. it like eight minutes trailer yeah um, that's crazy long i mean <laughs> i don't know i'm not a big i still no real gameplay right mm. They said that you can play the moment when he's uh when um what's his face the Walking Dead oh Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus is yeah. is in water they were saying oh yeah that moment is playable and I'm like you're playing uh, what like so he's the, sinking in the water I I played I played uh, Metal Gear Solid one through four and by the time you got to four you basically held the stick in a direction. <laughs> <laughs> until you got to the next cutscene, right? Like that—that is an exaggeration, but it's not too far off the mark. Mm. So, yeah, playable is not what playable is for everyone else uh, when <laughs> guess, it comes to yeah. Kojima games. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's completely. If they, I'll say this: if Kojima manages to make all of this that we've seen make sense, mm -hmm. then that in itself will be an achievement. You know, if the story makes sense beyond, ah, oh, of course, I know that the, the, you know, oil tanker things are aliens and that's your quote unquote explanation, then no, that doesn't work. But if it actually <laughs> makes sense, if the baby like appearing inside the stomach and giving a thumbs up to Norman Reedus, <laughs> like if that actually m makes actual sense, then I'll be impressed, but... Yeah, for now, it's... I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I think it looked awesome. It looked, like, yeah. really intriguing, mm -hmm. and I want to... Like, the universe is compelling, and it. I'm not saying it's not, it's not uh, artistically an achievement, and I certainly... It's a compelling way of, of uh, getting people interested in your game, but I'm just... If, if it just ends up being a, a bunch of random... Uh, uh, images that look cool that are smashed together for the sake of a uh, game that also looks cool without any logic behind it, then I'm going to be, I'm not going to be a client for this. But some people will be, and that's fine. But um, mm -hmm. are you more convinced by this trailer? Uh, a, a little bit. I mean, I, I still want to see like an actual gameplay segment mm. um, because that that is that is actually where. Kojima games um like are shine a highlight for me is yeah shine is where they is in their, their actual gameplay mm. um so yeah yeah we'll see it's still i'm i'm still pretty sure we're not going to see it until at least 2019 
And uh, every year we will have the amazing bro on 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 uh, <laughs> screen makeout almost between Keely and uh, Kojima, mm -hmm. who's getting it's it's pretty impressive. He's getting. I'm pretty sure if he wasn't that uh, uh, prominently displayed at the Game Awards, it, it, like he's he's the how can I put it the excitement for the anticipation for his game is magnified so much by his presence at the game awards i think it's pretty impressive um and keely is helping it quite a bit and of course it's serving keely as well i i always wonder how genuine their relationship is because they profit so much from being buddies that one you know both of them but uh maybe they're they're they really are buddies i don't know Um, all right, so that's it for the Game Awards. Uh, pretty cool overall, like a bit a bit boring, but I'm really happy they exist, and I hope they grow bigger and more legitimate. Um, PlayStation Experience was also very interesting. Like it wasn't a um, it, it was very clearly not a press conference. I think they even joked about yeah. it. They said like communications wise we were told do not call it a press conference it was basically uh, a bunch of playstation executives and sony executives sitting on couches and inviting developers to sit on couches with them and uh hash it out and show some trailers and some gameplay and you know it almost felt like a blizzcon for playstation there, there were panels throughout the day after that uh mm -hmm. not press conference i guess but uh fireside uh, uh conversation and um and yeah it was just uh, presenting a bunch of games that we mostly knew there weren't a lot of uh of games that we didn't already know about and uh but a few a few interesting tidbits is there any one that that leaped at you late leaps at you as the as the most uh important moment um honestly The since the they had a lot of focus on PSVR, um, at, in late, at least like in the their opening uh yeah, in the beginning thing mm -hmm. or whatever, um, and since I don't have a PlayStation VR, nothing really jumped out at me, but um, the the couple games that they did show Jupiter and Mars looks interesting. The the dolphin uh, VR thing, the dolphin VR game, um, just for kind of a nice chill journey like experience you know um but other than that there wasn't anything else that really jumped and and talked to me um okay you, you're I not a big fan stri of the of the medieval remaster uh i don't know it was medieval good <laughs> i i don't know i never played it yeah so. <laughs> yeah it didn't do it for me um the the, the little bit about god of war was I mean, it wasn't the most interesting thing, but he did mention mm -hmm. that the game is going to be 25 hours to 30 hours long, yeah. which is a depart. Usually they're more in the 15 hours area. Yeah, so that's, I, uh, I, hope that, I hope that they got enough of the a, a gameplay hook down to keep it interesting for that. Because I don't think God of, the God of War gameplay like can last for much longer than the 15 hours. But if they have like more of an open worldy kind of setting, then, then maybe it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I agree. They need to make sure that the the game gameplay itself evolves 
enough that it keeps you mm -hmm. uh, interested. I'm also hoping that it gives them time to to do a really significant development of the relationship between him and his kid maybe even have the kid grown at some point or consequences of some of you know there if you make a game that long you have space for exploring complex uh dynamics and i hope right. that it's not just him being gruff and his kid being uh uh you know playful for 30 hours if it's just like kratos going like Come, child, we need to hurry to the top of the mountain for 30 hours. It's like, uh, okay. But um, we'll see. It, it, it still looks pretty good. Um, what else? Uh, Dreams from Media Mo Molecule. Molecule. Um, oh, that game still exists. That's I, I good. Mean, I, I still <laughs> don't know what the hell. Like, they're, they're yeah. showcasing different types of games that were created with Dreams, which is essentially a, a tool to make things. And they're so different, all of the experiences they're showing, that I don't even understand how that is possible. Like, at this stage, it's mm -hmm. almost a third-party middleware, you know? It's like you, you create, and, and what do you do? Like, do you import stuff? Do you archive your your library of, of creations and textures and models? And, like, how do you, how does it work? It's, I mean, we'll see. They did a great job with, uh, with um, ah, what's the name of that game? God. Uh, a little big planet. Yes, thank you. Uh, and there, you could do a lot of things in there, but it was yeah. Anyway, um, but for me, by far the most imp uh, impressive thing was the demo for Detroit Become Human. Um, the Become Human par uh, Human demo was it basically made me interested in that game again, where I wasn't so interested anymore because I was, you know, I had uh, Detroit fatigue. <laughs> and honestly, that demo, it was pretty long. It was one scene, but I thought it was extremely compelling. The way you would interact with the world is pretty, you know, it's not so original. There's like a preparation for the, the scene. Like you almost have a detective mode from yeah. Batman, from the Batman games, more or less. And it's very, there isn't a lot of gameplay there. It's just immersing you into that uh involving you emotionally into what's happening and then you go into that hostage situation trying to to use what you've learned during your uh exploration in the previous scene uh to to resolve the situation and so did they show is this the one where they were on the roof the yes. rooftop yeah okay so this is the one the one i've played too okay um so the the detective mode is is kind of different than the normal things where you kind of scrub through until you find a point of interest and then you kind of look around. So that, that was, I actually quite enjoyed that little bit. Um, and then like you're saying, kind of increase or lower your chances of, of success based on um, that. And one thing that I don't know if the demo kind of showed, but you actually do get, a, have like a timer. Um, as soon as you walk in the room, you're timed to, gather as much information as possible to, until you're basically forced to go out outside or okay. you can just go outside um immediately right yeah. from the beginning yeah. right um so th that that part of it I'm, I'm interested to see um how that will kind of last across multiple little scenarios of that right and kind of what story will unfold from it but i i thought the the game uh well controlled a little clunkily when when I played it at PAX, I think that the 
the actual game that's there is very interesting. Yeah, it's it definitely seemed like there could be something. Um, and the demo we had at, uh, or the trailer we had at E3 also made it seem somewhat interesting as well. So mm -hmm. I guess what I'm wondering now is how are they going to build a co coherent story um, with all of those very, very different characters and settings? So yeah, we'll honestly, see. I think that it, at least the, the, the demo that, that I played and was shown, I think that'll be a very beginning part it'll kind of be beginning of that that character's kind of spiral. Right, but it's like uh, it's it almost feels like there are I don't know how many vignettes or scenes there are going to be, but it almost seems like there's a different character per uh scene, you know? They yeah. almost never reuse the same character. So um I mean, we'll see. Um and then uh oh, Wipeout VR, that that seems like it's going to be pu Puke City, but um <laughs> we'll see it's it's an included in the free in, in the remake in the wipeout remake so if you have it mm -hmm. you don't need to purchase wipeout wipeout vr you can just start playing uh immediately um and uh firewall which also is also a vr game looks basically like rainbow six the latest one um yep. uh yeah we'll see how it goes uh and then the capcom cup announced a couple of things the third season of characters to uh, street fighter 5 which comes with three, street fighter 5 arcade edition which is a free update for anyone who already has uh, street fighter 5 but you can also purchase uh which includes all of the uh previous characters of course if you don't have if you didn't buy them you bought street fighter 5 a while back then you don't get the free characters in the free update but um you get the systems updates uh, but if you buy the full game you get all of the season one and two characters so that that was uh confirmed and they showed some of the characters there's uh, no one cares i do because i like those games but uh, <laughs> uh but there's also the street fighter 30th anniversary collection which is coming in may on uh playstation 4 uh xbox one x or xbox one and uh switch and though that's uh 12 games basically street fighter all of the street fighter 2 all of the street fighter alpha 1 2 3 and all of the street fighter 3 with the um uh, some of those four of those including online uh play which that is always problematic because you will never find someone. There are so many of those games. You, it's hard to find someone to play against that is at your level, but I <laughs> guess it's possible. And that's, a, that's some, you know, it feels like the definitive co co collection. It's every yeah. Street Fighter game, arcade perfect is what they said, um, until Street Fighter 4. That's pretty impressive. And uh, I guess not a lot of people are going to buy it. I'm uh, sure some people well, it, will. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to get it on the, the most recent consoles, you know? I, I, I guess so, yeah. But I mean, that, it's... But it's, it's for Street Fighter fans. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that, that it's going to be, like, people will buy Street Fighter V because it's the most recent, and people that really like Street Fighter will buy that collection. yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, there. If you want to play, 
it's kind of are you gonna go play like street fighter 2 champion edition yeah exactly <laughs> or i guess maybe some people have fond memories of specifically of street fighter alpha 2 and not the third one or that guy i mean i i played all of those but um again i don't know if i'm the uh, target for these because i'm not a nostalgia <laughs> player i don't even have a, a a super nes classic so that's how much of a non uh, nostalgic person I am. Um, yeah, so that's PlayStation Experience. It was okay. It wasn't too bad. It was fine. It was fine. Uh, 17 million units for the PlayStation 4 and 2 million uh, PlayStation VR. So they're doing well. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, quicker tidbits of news. And uh, I do want to talk about Destiny 2. The mm. The DLC came out uh, last week, and I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed in Destiny 2 because, and in Bungie in general, um, there are specific issues with the with the DLC, which mean that uh, people who have the base game and not the DLC are locked out of some of the end game activities, um, which is not great. Uh, and that's a problem for sure. It basically means that if you bought the PC version, you had six weeks to play right. through the game and play through the end game, and now you can't. You can't play through well, the it, end game. So, so. The, the way I understand it is that there was a bunch of stuff that was for max level only, right? And then this new version of the DLC increased the max level? Yes, but not really, because and there's the heroic strikes. So you have strikes, which are basically dungeons, instances, um, the regular ones. And then the new the new DLC added the heroic versions, which are more mm -hmm. difficult. But the, the light level or power level that's required to, to do them is 270. And with the previous, with the base game, you can go to 305. So... Okay. It's like you theoretically you should be allowed to do it because it's appropriate for your level, but it's part of the new uh, DLC. But it's just the old strikes with with a higher difficulty level, no new mechanics, no new nothing, just tougher. Um, so, I mean that's debatable how cool it. I mean clearly it's not cool. I think <laughs> of, of course they're going to do whatever they want, but it feels cheap. Um, th I mean, that's one thing, and there's a couple of other things, the XP issues and all of those, even the, the loot boxes, which I really don't think are, are a problem, as I've stated many times. But beyond all of this, what really bothers me with Destiny 2 is that they're basically making similar... <coughs> oh, sorry. Similar mistakes to what they made with Destiny 1. It's almost like mm -hmm. they learned a huge amount of things... With the first expansion, the Taken King for Destiny 1, and we were like, yes, now they get it. You have like secrets and things that keep you interested and, and things to explore in the area and like weird uh, mysteries that you have to solve. And it's, it's amazing. The Taken King was a great, great game. And then they forgot all of it for Destiny 2. And you're like, uh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, the game was great for 80 hours, which is, I think, what I sunk into it. I loved my time there. But then it, it sort of stopped, which I guess it's fine. You know, 80 hours of game time is fine for 60 bucks. But it's still weird that they didn't 
you know, they, they made mistakes. Again, they, they, were, they are different mistakes from the ones from Destiny 1, but it's still this thing of, well, the game is on the verge of being great, but then there are dumb issues that mean it's tedious or it's it's you want to love it but it's almost like the developer is preventing you from loving it and it's fine if it's your first game but if you repeat it for the second one and then on top of it you push a dlc which again it was the same for destiny one but it was three months later and it feels like there was the community was more engaged so it was like people were more willing to give them the benefit of the doubt or to excuse some of those mistakes. Um, and now with the PC version of the game, it's been rendered not pointless, but really uh, a lot less of a full game only six, six weeks after it's been released. So it's like, at some point you're like, well, I don't want to put in the effort to love your game forever right i've been doing it for like the first one and i sort of did it in a little bit for the second one but like that's too much so it's turned into a thing where i look at it and i'm i'm sort of not hopeful for the potential for the future potential of the game and thankful for the fun i'm having it's like the fun i i had was is is gone and it's i'm a little bit bitter about the state of the game now and I'm worried about the future potential. So, are you still playing it like no. regularly? No no, 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 no. I didn't even purchase the DLC. I'm like, but that's because there are too many other good games that I want to play. I think, <laughs> um, but still, I mean, that was one of the issues. It wasn't incentivizing you to keep playing after the, those mm -hmm. quote unquote first measly eighty hours, right? right? So, I mean, theoretically, I guess you could still do all of that. Um, but it feels bad when some of you have more stuff to do than you did in the first one. You have the public events and a lot more quote unquote questing and stuff like that. I understand that, but we also know that the end game in those games is, is super important. And if the end game becomes inaccessible, you know, if you you've purchased the, the PC version six weeks after that, it feels, it doesn't feel good. So I'm, I, and, and as much as I think the, loot boxes do not affect the game at all having the loot boxes and the paid dlc and the uh sectioning off on some part of the end game behind mm -hmm. the dlc feels like well you have the loot boxes which are, are another revenue stream the dlc is also uh something that you have to pay for so it feels cheap i'm not you know I'm I'm ready to say I'm disappointed in in Destiny 2 and Bungie, so I didn't want to mention it. The, uh, the gating off stuff from behind the DLC stuff is is something that Activision does a, a good amount, though. They do a lot with Call of Duty, like they they'll re release new maps, and then you can't join the. This this probably hasn't happened in a while, but I remember when Call of Duty Four, uh, the map, new map packs came out that you couldn't join the the main playlist because it had the maps, you know? So you had to buy the maps in order to play on the main, the main playlist with everyone else. But was there, what, was there another playlist which only had the maps from the um, base game? Yeah, but almost no one was playing on it. Mm. Okay, and, and the, well... And the, like, competitive, like, the competitive um, circuit was on those other maps. 
Yeah, I also feel like it wasn't three months after the game was released and certainly yeah, not six right. weeks, right? So I can understand mm-hmm. that the game is going to evolve. And even if you have like a, a, an expansion pack that's going to come after a year the game's been out or even six months, you know, it's like by then if you're if you're still playing the game, it's probably fair that you, uh, you know, you pay an, a little bit extra to keep playing the game because they have they're working on stuff and they have the server and the balance and the thing. I, it it feels a little bit more acceptable um, than what's happening now with this. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 Know, yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly how it went, but can't remember if House of Wolves back in Destiny One also increased the light level. Or not? Maybe it did, and it did uh, section off the end game for for Destiny one play, one players as well. But I don't know. It felt more substantial back then, and and there also wasn't the the loot boxes revenue model and a bunch of stuff. So anyway, um, so yeah, it, this is the first time that the addition of DLC feels so punishing to people. And maybe there are other examples. I'd be hi- happy to hear about them. Um, but it feels more punishing than I've seen in other games. So that's also a little bit of the reason why. And also the 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 the, the story missions themselves are, are very lackluster. And I thought that the story missions in Destiny 2 were absolutely not what many people were saying, which was, you know, finally, we have a great story. No, it wasn't a great story. <laughs> it was, you know, oh, I lost my light. Oh, look. Oh, I got it back. Okay, well, that's great then. Um, was it like you Stockholm know. Syndrome uh, people saying that, that the story was good? Is that uh, what it seems like? Yes and no. I think people <laughs> have low expectations, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... um. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, th- those were my feelings on Destiny 2. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is reducing the or increasing the amount of credit that drops um, when you're playing the game. It feels like between the reduction of cost of uh, characters and the increase, which is substantial, there's a substantial increase in uh, credit you get when you play a game, whether it's... Uh, you know, co-op versus the, you know, PvE type thing, horde mode, or uh, PvP. Um, and you can play the horde mode alone, by the way. So you can get credits like that. It it comes down to basically if you do, uh, if you max out the the things you can do every day, which shouldn't take a huge amount. You have to play every day, but you would get the most expensive character in like 10 days of game time. So mm-hmm. it feels like we're getting to a level which is... Uh, reasonable and i don't really know for sure because i refuse to buy that game just for the out of principle um but i mean it seems like we're getting to a place where it's kind of okay um but we'll have to see but i did want to mention it that it maybe they're positioning it to be acceptable uh for when the game the the movie comes out in a few days and um then they'll re uh, enable the loot boxes maybe but uh, we'll see but for now it seems like it's playable uh, reasonably and you can acquire stuff with credits by playing the game in a reasonable amount of time um, so let's talk a little bit more about the games we've been uh, playing and you were talking about Hellblade um, I bought it on sales and mm-hmm. I played as I mentioned a couple of hours pretty intense game um, yeah it, is the whole game Similar to that, to those first two hours of gameplay. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean the the 
parts of the game that well that are her basically like screaming and stuff um because she she's kind of being taken over by this this dark plague kind of in a way and she, and it's kind the whole thing is her kind of um losing her, her journey mind? it it's her journey to kind of come to terms with her the loss the massive amount of loss that she's had um both through the 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 death of her like basically boyfriend um and the, I, I don't know don't how much it, I, yeah. I want to spoil or want to say about about the game, but I thought that the I the, the part that kind of brings you along is the story and the performance and the kind of creepiness factor of the voices that are in her head. Mm. Um, the gameplay itself is very. I thought the combat system was simple, but it's still satisfying mm. to play, it does the to job, play right? with. Yeah. Um, and I thought the boss fights were very interesting, if not a little bit like simplistic. And there's not a lot, a lot of puzzle element to the boss fights. It's just kind of like whack at him until he dies. Right. Um, but overall, the, the game is is fairly short um, for the amount of. I, I think it's a, it's a little bit too expensive for the amount for the amount of uh, time you get to spend in it. Um, I finished in about seven hours. So it's it's fairly short, but I, oh, I enjoyed bucks, the. Though. Yeah, I, you know, it, I've played <laughs> cheaper games for longer. You know, fair enough. Um, I got it on sale for like twenty five percent off or something like that. So I don't re- I don't regret my purchase. I, I think that the game itself is is really good, and the concepts that it's trying to address um, and talk about through a gameplay medium is something that. Um, in that little short video I mentioned, they they kind of say that 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 psychosis is not something that's really talked about that often in media, and they think that um, the ability to show uh, her kind of uh, delusions and not not her delusions, but um, basically seeing things that aren't there is something that games are uniquely able to do versus like. Uh, movies or shows or books or anything like that right so yeah um, yeah definitely an interesting thing as we mentioned in the last episode it it's not really triple a in all of the areas of triple a but graphics wise it's incredible and i i was amazed blown away by the graphic fidelity of that game yeah um probably some of the best looking graphics we've ever seen mm -hmm. and um and the audio work is mind-blowing you can definitely um, tell they do some tricks to to get the graphics the 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 way they they the way they want them um in like cinematics and stuff when it's really focused on her face you can kind of tell that the edges of the screen are a little bit more blurry right. and i think they kind of chalk that up to like oh she's crazy and the people that that have this kind of see blurriness in the world and and stuff like that and they actually talk a lot about they show people um people's quotes of what it's like to go through, have some sort of mental illness. Mm. And they talk about how the world seems fractured and the world is very blurry at the edges and stuff like that. So they do a little bit of uh, trickery in order to kind of make the get the game look as beautiful as it does. But I, I, it's not something that unless you know about how graphics programming works, that you'll really notice at first glance. 
Yeah, many many games do that kind of thing. Yeah, to, they do to get mm -hmm. the yeah. So anyway, Hellblade uh, might be worth your your time and money. Uh, I played for Fortnite uh, Battle Royale, which <laughs> I figured you know I didn't love PUBG. I'm gonna try the the cartoony version of it, and it's cartoony, all right. But it's still PUBG. <laughs> PUBG. It's it's, <laughs> it's mind blowingly similar to PUBG. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I've fine, said, but. I've heard people say that the Fortnite version is actually more fun just because of the color plus uh, kind of the cartoony idea of and... the cartoony world. Yeah, yeah. it's just just kind of has it has a better feel to it. But mm. yeah, I mean, the base gameplay is still something that didn't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. um, I also played. Uh, oh, it's free and Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh my gosh, that game! <laughs> Did you play it? <laughs> Through, yeah through the end <laughs> uh through the Don't, first no ending spoiler. yes oh first i played yeah so why not, not that not that one not the one you're thinking of i got oh. to the credits the first credit sequence but why did you not keep going do you know which credit sequence i'm talking about like i got to the credits the song yeah oh mm -hmm. okay all right yes yes okay yeah, so yeah. you played through the entire thing yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so the there is a true ending or the best ending oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's okay. the one that I have not gotten. Yeah, I no, think that I might doesn't... just watch a YouTube video. Yeah, I went to YouTube, yeah. So yeah. Doki Doki Literature Club is a game um, that is It's super a dating weird. simulator. That's all you need to know. And you should go play it. It's free on Steam. <laughs> I guess. It's a dating simulator <laughs> that does things. The, the thing is, the first hour and a half is death. It's so boring. I thought I was going to melt of, of annoyance, you know? Um, it's really just the cute Japanese dating simulator. You get into, like, your friend for, from forever gets you into the, her literature club. And there are three cute girls that all want to be your friend. And, oh, my God, am I going to be able to get close to them? <gasps> ah, and, like, it's exactly what you would expect out of it. And then stuff start to change. Um, so imagine having to stream this game and having to read all the all the dialogue uh, out loud. Why would you do that? Because my friend was like, "Hey, you should play this game. It's really good." And I was like, "Oh, this looks interesting. It looks like a great thing to stream for the audience. Maybe not for me." And then I so I did it. Oh my uh, god! And so you... I streamed all of it. Oh and wow! I read all of it, and I okay. had I developed voices for all the different characters. Pretty good. Pretty uh, good. Yeah. It, was... um, it must have been exhausting for you, but pretty good for the audience. No, um... I'll tell you what. It, it it was very exhausting for my wife, who <laughs> who came up. I was re I started streaming. She came upstairs like an hour later, and she looked at me like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> And then she went to bed, and I stayed up later, and she closed the door to the game room, the door to our room, and then turned on the fan in the in in our bathroom so she wouldn't be able to hear me as I was reading Understandable. these voices. Um, yeah. But so, without spoiling, I'm not going to spoil, I think this game has, um, it's on the verge of being genius, mm -hmm. but it falls short and ends up being just mediocre and a I think it bit takes gimmicky. too long to get to the genius. I also think the genius is squandered. Um it's not it, it doesn't go in an interesting place. It just go in a oh okay. All right then. That happened. 
<laughs> and you know, and and it's not like th- there are some bits of it that are super interesting, and that they could have done stuff with those ideas that were that that were going beyond the game, like something you know, you know. I, anyway, I don't want to say too much, but it's definitely an interesting thing to do. It's just four hours; it's free um, on Steam, and ju- so you can just play it. Um, but it's not as amazing as I was hoping it was going to be. Definitely, I'm glad I played it. Absolutely. And but if you have four hours to to lose, then you can do that. Um, and the music will get in your brain, though. I've been oh listening to it nonstop. Uh, you whistle it all the time, yeah. or you yeah. sing it. It's terrible. Very, very well done. Like it follows the the canon <laughs> of those of, of that type of game to a level that is impressive. Like, the the way yeah. the dialogue is just... Like, it's an English game. Uh, I mean, English language game. But it's written... It's very obviously, is, like, forcibly translated, you know? Exactly. Like, but it's like written they, they, in English. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guy, it's a one-person team, almost. It's a couple of people, but... Um, I can't remember the name of the developer. Um, ah, I'm gonna... Not gonna find it. Um... But he he is obviously a huge fan of that genre, and he is, uh, so do you know? Oh, do you Dan, know Dan Salvato. Yeah, yeah. He's a big Smash player, right? Um, like yeah, competitive that. Smash yeah. player. Mm. So that's, and I don't. I guess he's obvi- he obviously wanted to do something interesting. Yeah. Um, with the the game he's kind of talked about in interviews and stuff about how he has like mixed feeling toward anime yeah so he kind of wanted to do something interesting with it mm. with that concept and it's i mean about the language maybe it's something i'm sensitive about it's very like you can feel the japanese through mm-hmm. the, the 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 english even though it never it was never written in japanese so that's that's pretty impressive and Anyway, it's a very interesting game, if nothing else. Um, another interesting game is Nier Automata. Um, you told me oh you were playing it. How far along are you? I am about halfway through what I know to be the first playthrough. All right. Um, obviously, I think that's not a spoiler by now. Everyone knows there are more than one playthroughs. We're mm-hmm. not going to spoil anything. I haven't completed the game. I'm a couple of hours from finishing it. Um, and so you're on route E then? I'm not exactly no. Okay. Um <laughs> I don't I don't want to say more because I don't want to yeah, yeah, spoil yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But um it's I mean unless what happens in the remaining I don't know 3 hours is so incredible that it changes everything I've done until now and maybe it is uh it is very difficult for me to like this game. I kind of feel like Wow, really? I kind of feel like I'm I know how people who didn't like Zelda Breath of the Wild feel. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know anyone who has, you know, any cred or whom I respect even a little bit who didn't love Near Automata. It, everyone so, loves it and I'm like ah, I'm slug like the first playthrough is about 10 hours and God, it was painful for me. It was like really? I, wow. I don't like the gameplay. Um, 
And I think the story is completely dumb. Com- like, so I'll, I'll let you f- I'll, I'll let you finish, but I do want to talk about the gameplay when when you finish. Sure. Um, so, well, I, we're not going to talk about it because none of neither of us have finished it. So it's really just a like uh, in journey uh, in the middle of the journey check in. Um, it's just it's I think it's just not for me, and I and I love that people love it. But I would, I will at some point do a, a spoiler section and talk mm-hmm. about everything I hate about the game because <laughs> I think there are it's extremely overrated. I think it's it's got so, a couple of good gimmicks, but and it's not a bad game. I'm not saying it's a bad game, but putting it at the level of all of those amazing games we've had, it's so inconsistent and so. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't want to go more into it because I it's not no spoilers and i haven't finished it completely but um yeah go ahead i I was disappointed in in the not variability of the combat i I think that the 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 different weapons that you get kind of increase it and it's kind of impressive that depending on where you put those weapons you'll have a different different animations and stuff like that but i i did not feel like the combat was was that interesting and coming from a platinum games game i thought that was kind of disappointing um, but, uh, yeah, we can, we can, if you want to do that spoiler section some of the time, then yeah, once we've, once we've finished, uh, finished it, both of us will have to talk about it because it's definitely one of the games of the year. And mm-hmm. I understand why it's a completely, it's a huge phenomenon, but what I get out of it is very minimal. And it's, it's basically, I, I can't remember if I'd said this in the English show, but I played through the demo a very long time ago. Um, and that's the first level of the game. And I was like, wow, that game is not for me. Like I, maybe there, that, what I just played, which is the introduction, um, fairly long, it's maybe 25 minutes. Um, yeah. that if that's what the game is, I know exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. And I had to, and and the gameplay not being compelling, and the anyway. Exactly what you say. You know what happened? Is that the story? Is what you know what what's going to happen? It's or... a Japanese. It's a Japanese game. Okay. And and that entails a certain number of tropes that I was hoping I wasn't going to have to slug through. <laughs> Uh, in that game because it was quote unquote so brilliant uh-huh. and the themes it explores and the 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 format the form with which it explores them is painfully japanese mm-hmm. so what remains is a couple of gaming as a medium tricks or gaming as a medium uh um what's the word i'm looking for gimmicks that are interesting but that certainly don't justify even 10 hours of, of sluggish gameplay for me. So mm. we'll, we'll do a spoiler section at some point. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you think you're not going to like this game out of what you know of it, my suspicion is you probably won't like this game. <laughs> um, so yeah. One thing I will recommend to people is that the demo version of that game is very linear. Um, the game opens up a lot. But because it opens up a lot, play through the main story into unlock fast travel, because that will save you a lot of time. I didn't even realize like 
I, I could do that until like last night when I was running from quest to quest, <laughs> like trying to complete things. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. And then I like, I looked it up and they're like, Oh yeah, just do like the next story mission and you'll, and you'll like <laughs> fast travel. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. Um, all right. A uh, bunch of other little bits of news. Um, I really want to talk more about near, but we have to, we have to finish <laughs> it completely. Um, so, uh, the walking dead, uh, is getting a game that seems like a decent game. It's overkills the walking dead. Uh, there was a trailer released yesterday, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the trailer is very cinematic. It doesn't tell us anything about the game itself. We know it's a four-player co-op game, which I'm looking forward to because the Left for Dead formula has to be able to be replicated one day and we have to have a good game um, in that genre. It's 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 impossible that we don't have a, a good game. And these guys you know. make the payday games and they're, yeah. they're known for, for good gameplay, for good co-op go- gameplay. Um, and so I'm not clear on the structure because the guys behind the payday, uh, game are also the ones who made GTFO that I think that we talked about from the game awards. Mm -hmm. So are, are they making both games? I, I, well, overkills the developer for walking dead. Right. Um, and I was looking this up earlier. Starbreeze. Yeah. Starbreeze is the publisher. Right. And overkill. Um, they made Payday one, Payday one, and Payday two. Um, and I it looks like they're making Payday three as well, TBA. But yeah, so it is actually the developer of Payday one and two. Okay. Um, and then the w- other game you're talking about, GTFO, I think it's not being made by these guys. Oh, okay. So maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken. Um, oh, so, so it looks like it's it's like a des- the designer of Payday. Like right. if you left, he left Overkill and went to go form his own studio or something like that. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm finding here. Right. Right. Um, okay. So it's payday everywhere, uh, and it has a, <laughs> a, a pretty good uh, pedigree. So, mm-hmm. but what I liked about this uh, trailer was that it it sort of showed a character that was um, being crushed by the mundane realities of the real world and that seemed to thrive in the world of the walking dead Mm -hmm. in the zombie apocalypse like he seemed not like overly joyous or violent or anything he just seemed like he got into his element and he's more comfortable in that chaotic world um i don't know how much of that is going to translate into the actual game and we haven't seen any gameplay but but i guess as a hook it's kind of one that that interested me a little bit um new tomb raider tomb raider game um is being teased by square enix there's a tweet basically by the tomb raider account on twitter that has said a bunch of things that were put together in a weird phrasing and someone uh liam robertson robertson um noticed uh, he's the gaming historian if you don't know know him um he noticed that the phrasing was off and basically the first letter of every sentence uh spells out shadow so it's basically the shadow (laughs) of the tomb raider uh leak that we had a year ago that is confirmed now so we're gonna have a little bit more fairly soon i'm super happy that tomb raider is still um something and that it's being developed 
I'm um I I that made me realize I never finished uh, Shadow, uh Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, so I have to go back and and finish it. Maybe I'll plug my Xbox back in <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um I have to finish that and I have to finish uh Horizon Zero Dawn. But um that yeah. how far are you in that one? Horizon? You know. Yeah. Midway through, a little bit over okay. midway through. So you haven't you probably have just maybe tapped the edge of the the real story there yes um yeah that yeah the story of that one yeah and and so i haven't finished either but everyone knows that in near and in horizon there are robot things that happen um (laughs) and from what i understand so far even you know halfway in that's one of the things i don't like about near is that the anyway we'll talk about it <laughs> but it's it's incoherent it doesn't make sense it's dumb it's childish horizon yeah. takes a really strong turn uh story wise in the the second half of the game in my opinion okay well don't don't spoil i'll yep, i'll no get to it soon um so yeah new tomb raider cool uh, Devil May Cry collection coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC in 2018. Uh, that probably means we're due for a new Devil May Cry, I would suspect, uh, the year after that. It's often the case that you, they put out uh, a collection of the old games <clears throat> and then pull out, put out the new game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, that's something that I, that I missed back in the PlayStation 2 era, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting into that again. Yeah, me too. I'd love to have to get into a Devil May Cry. I looked at them from afar a little bit, wanting to get into it, and I love the guns and blade combo things with with mm-hmm. insane uh, combat, um, which ironically is something that Platinum does pretty well as well. But um, yeah, I, I I would love to get, but I want a new one. I don't want to go back and play the old ones because they don't mean anything to me. I would love to have a new one. Uh, Her Story is a game that was very popular a couple of years ago. Um, War Games is the new game by the developer of Her Story, whose name I'm going to find uh, right now. His name is... Okay, I can't can't find it. Never mind. But it was cool. Uh, War Games, why not? I guess. Sam Barlow. Sam Barlow, thank you. It was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a very specific type of game. I'm very curious to see what he does. I with, liked uh, I liked her story, but not enough to like love yeah. it. Like some people loved it, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I, that whatever game that is will be interesting. Mega Man Eleven is announced for 2018. So basically. Uh, Street Fighter, Mega Man, DM, DMC, um, Capcom is going crazy with uh, collections and remakes and uh, getting putting out new games in those series, which is probably a good way to do it. Um, Mega Man 11 2018, Mega Man X 1-8 coming to PC, PS4 and Switch and Xbox One and the Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 and 2, which are the non-X uh, versions of the game, uh, which already exist on uh, other platforms, are coming to the Nintendo Switch. So basically, um, Mega Man is everywhere, and Mega Man X is everywhere, and Mega Man Eleven is going to be. Uh, I thought it looked meh. 
graphics wise. <laughs> I don't know if you're, you know, it looked a little bit like Mighty Number no. Nine, um, uh-huh. which felt. Uh, here's what it looks like: it looks like Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, which has this strange plasticky look to it. Yeah, I agree. Mm. It doesn't look great. It seems like it seems almost like it. Maybe they're going after the plastic look because it's supposed to be like like toys, I guess, from the eighties and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah, I guess it it probably does, but mm, um, I don't know. Well, I think this game is going to be a game that many pe- that some people adore. I mm-hmm. mean, it looks very old school. It's like platformy and precise jumps and. Very, very um, classic type, which is great if you love that. But I think people who didn't live through that period and with those games are maybe not going to be clients of the, you know, other thing. Yeah. Uh, in China, the NVIDIA Shield is going to be including Nintendo games. Uh, that includes sure. Wii, Wii U games, I believe. Wii and Wii U games. Um, that's a first for China, and it's very interesting that those games are going to be on a non-Nintendo platform. We have things like uh, Super yeah. Mario Galaxy, um, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, um, Twilight Princess. <coughs> Sorry. So um, all, all Wii games, it looks yeah, like. Wii games, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, theoretically, the interesting thing is the NVIDIA Shield is basically... There are two things that are interesting. It's basically an Android console, which means there are going to be APKs, which might find their ways on other Android devices uh, down mm-hmm. the line. So that's an interesting one. And also, uh, of course, we know that the Nintendo Switch is based on uh, the Android, not a software, but hardware architecture. Well, basically, it's an ARM uh, CPU. So that might mean that those games will be easy or, you know, very easy to um, bring to the Switch if they are on the Shield. So maybe we virtual console things? I'm up. That'd be nice. I need need something. Some Mm. virtual console something or another. Yeah. I mean... I want to... I want Nintendo, we're talking about all these collections. I want Nintendo to release a collection of all the Legend of Zelda games. Well, um, maybe except for the the two that they put on the Wii U, but like all the old Legend of Zelda games all as a single collection on the Switch. Why would they do that when they can sell each one of them individually to you? Because I want it. Yes, <laughs> but listen, Ed, in this life we don't always get what we want. <laughs> And in that case, what we want is lots of virtual console games that would be cheap. That are all that sold for $5. This, yes, that we do. We are not going to get, sadly. Ugh. I mean, there are going to be a ton of people that have enormous amounts of uh, Switches and free time and nothing to play on those Switches. And they are going, well, not nothing, but for the next year or so, um, the games are, you are mean, Xenoblade keeping... Chronicles 2, you can play that for like 100 hours. So <laughs> Probably, but do you want to? <laughs> yes, you do. That game is awesome. Oh, you are you playing it? Yes, I'm playing it. And you're liking uh, it? Quite a lot. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's not too JRPG-y for you? Well, it is, but I, li- I liked Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Like, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I've so heard I that... might be a little biased. Mm. 
I heard the, that this one topic. is basically um, <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 1, but not as good in every way. Well, maybe. Uh, I would say <laughs> that it probably is, but I think the gameplay of this game is a lot better than the than the gameplay of this of Xenoblade 1 or X. Mm. What, what brought me through on Xenoblade Chronicles was the story... I thought was really interesting and and you actually they actually do quite a bit to keep you interested in that story as you're playing through that 100 and whatever hour game mm. um xenoblade chronicles x i thought that the gameplay was interesting but i felt very underpowered while i was playing that game and i i and i like i got to a story mission and i could not pass it without like going back and grinding up my level but i couldn't go back and grind up my level because i was locked into that that's playing the story fight so i eventually right. squeaked through it and i was just like i'm done with this game right um yeah. so but i have never not feel felt underpowered yet in xenoblade chronicles 2 um so and i think the grind. gameplay is better mm. yeah yeah all right um what else divinity original sin 2 has sold 2 million copies um same for persona 5 2 million copies i think it's it's interesting um to have these numbers because in in all of these discussions about you know the cost of games and the industry and and how games are made and the business models and the loot boxes and like and people saying well you don't need to do it for this and that reason and those games uh, that we're talking about original uh, original sin 2 and persona 5 which are universally loved and uh critically acclaimed they are successes with... Uh, oh, did I say 2 millions for Original Sin 2? It's 1 million. Sorry. Um, so 1 or 2 millions for those games. It sort of gives you a, a realization of how much those games cost to make to and, and how much they need to become profitable or to become successes uh, compared to the huge AAAs that we're also talking about that need to get to, you know... 10, 5, 10 million to to be profitable and worth it for the companies that that make them. So it's not every game that is... You can take one example and apply it to the other games. So 1 million for Original Sin 2 and 2 millions for Persona 5, and they're great numbers for those games. So uh, Discord has 100 million users. That's kind of amazing. Like, two years ago, Discord was nowhere. And now it has 100 million users. That's how f fast things go. In, in, I mean, there yeah, was definitely a need for a structured voice service, but they jumped on it and, and managed it so well. Well, it wasn't even structured. Was it voice from, from the beginning? I think I, so, I, yeah. I know a lot of people jumped on it for the community aspect of it, being able to create your own free servers that were just completely separate from... Um, I mean, everyone has a has a Discord server, and uh, we mo we moved from having Twitch chat be our primary in our forums be our primary source of community in right. an interaction to being wholly on Discord. And just um, for the chat, you mean rather than the voice uh, channels? Yeah, uh, well, hmm. we use the voice channels for community nights and stuff like that. But in general, we have uh, something like ten rooms or something like that in in discord and what's great is you can create like a separate channel and then that would be your spoiler section for that game and so we just have a bunch like 20 rooms of all different games people talking about different games and stuff like that so um 
because it's it's incredible how easy it is to set up. I like the the Patreon and Twitch integration that people have that that Discord has is really good. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it had voices from the beginning, but maybe you know I didn't yeah, I think hear right. about no, it until think about it more. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a pretty significant uh, you know a, a achievement. Um, and a hundred million users is is just crazy. So, mm-hmm. uh, and finally, I wanted to talk about that. Um, have you read that thing, the Dear yeah. Iwata, Dear mm-hmm. Mister Iwata uh, comic? Yeah, it's a little bit of a tearjerker. A little bit, yeah. It's a uh, <laughs> Wooden Plank Studios that uh, put this up on Reddit and on on uh, uh, Imgur, and it's just. A love letter to Satoru Iwata, um, who was the president of Nintendo for a few years and a, a developer with a great heart before that. And uh, it's just telling him, we're so glad that uh, we're sad that you're not here to see how well the Switch is doing because you were the soul of Nintendo for a long time. And we it's now being where... Uh, you probably hope it would be, and you know we hope you're enjoying this uh, this achievement from wherever you are. And it's just so cute and heartwarming and beautiful. And there's so much you know negativity on the internet and in the gamer community. This one was just lovely, and I think every uh, universally. Um, <laughs> Everyone loved this little comic thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention it. Just look for, just Google Dear Mr. Iwata and be ready to to get a little bit sad, but happy at the same time. Uh, I, will, I will mention the, the one frame that they talk about, um, Pokemon Gold and Silver and Super Smash Brothers. He was like solely... Om- almost entirely solely responsible for those games being as good as they are mm. um as a as a programmer he basically solved a huge memory problem with the original gold and silver that that there were all these programmers at Nintendo that could not figure out this this issue because they wanted to include the original version uh of Pokemon in this game the red and blue like region and they couldn't figure it out without without running out of memory. And so he did something. It's not really clear what he did, but whatever he did allowed Kanto to exist in the mm-hmm. in that game. And that is one that is my favorite generation of Pokemon. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's 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 an amazing technical achievement, and it just shows that this guy he, he was, was wickedly he was wickedly smart. Um, technically and had a lot of business sense and he was he was the real deal Mm. and it's you know i wasn't into the pokemon i was too old (laughs) by then i was playing like (laughs) you know real games like god of war and uh Mm -hmm. being a a a strong angry male um (laughs) but um the 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 thing that hits me the most is the Nintendo Directs, which mm-hmm. I thought were the dumbest thing in the world when they first started. 
I thought they were out of touch. They were tacky. They were like, I thought Nintendo was, was making, uh, like not understanding what the times were. And they stuck with it. And it, you know, the strangest thing after a few months, a couple of years, it was like, it became their quirky, it, it was showing their quirky selves. And, you know, the, the, Iwata bowing and saying, please enjoy, which is, a, again, a, a weird translation of Japanese. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it just, it just became part of their identity. And there was an, an earnestness and an honesty to all of it, which felt very genuine and, 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 um, and touching. And he was certainly part of the, the, the soul of that whole thing. So, um, It's just, you know, that, that comic just brought it back. So it's just cute and it's never uh, a bad idea to... Uh, it's never a bad thing to uh, remember the, the good people um, who did good things in our industry and in our community. So uh, there you go. You can Google Dear Mr. Iwata and shed your own tear as well. And that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you very much for being on, good sir. You're um, welcome. Thank you for having me. Where will will people go? Where should people go if they want more <laughs> of the Ed Mitchell experience? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Adidisa. That will be in the show notes. Um, I stream, lately it's been Wednesday nights around uh, 9 o'clock Eastern time on uh, 4pp.tv. Uh, I think this week I'm going to be playing more Observer, kind of a um, psycho-technical um, horror game. Um, and yeah, so you can catch me there. If you want to listen to a uh, some podcast with me on it, just go to fourplayernetwork.com slash, I think it's slash Ed. Yeah. Um, but if you if you want to kind of... The, the group that I work with, Four Player Network, they do a podcast every Thursday night. Um, and we're coming up close on our end of the year stuff. So we'll be doing a big award show for that. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Excellent. And the link to the Twitter account will be in the show notes as usual. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, you can find my productions at frenchspin.com. And we are coming up on the end of the year as well. Um, I think next episode, I don't know where we're going to have it because the next one would be on like Christmas Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know that that's going to be possible, but we'll see and we'll do uh, probably an end of year roundup as everyone in the world does. But um, <laughs> please, please look forward to that. And uh, if things don't work out, we'll talk to you um, after that in the new year. Although... My baby should be coming soon. So I don't Ooh. know what's going to happen there. Uh, but hopefully we'll have an episode next uh, for the next one with the roundup. Either way, we'll be happy to talk to you, want to talk to you all when we do. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful uh, couple of weeks of gaming. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 